This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia. Notes in the margin of a book. Notes, commentary, and similar material written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes which are incidental incidental or additional to the main topic. topic in the margin of a book. Naomi Kropitsky's novel, The Family, follows two friends, Sophia and Antonia, living in Brooklyn from childhood to adulthood. And while their friendship and family dynamics are certainly pivotal to the book, The Family actually refers to a different sort of family, the mafia that their fathers work for. The Mafia has captured the imaginations of numerous writers over the years, but the lesser-known role that women played within it piqued Kropitsky's interest. I recently spoke with Naomi Kropitsky about her research on the Mafia and her writing process. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginalia, and here's our conversation. So your book is titled The Family. Can you tell us about it? I mean, how did you describe it when you pitched it? So I didn't pitch it because it's a novel. I wrote the entire thing on my computer in my living room, in my apartment, and then I I sold it afterward. But the way that I have come to describe it now is that the family is about two little girls uh, who grow up together in adjoining apartments in Red Hook, Brooklyn from the 1920s to the 1940s. These girls are really polar opposites. So there's Sophia who is loud, bold, wild, intense, a rule breaker. And then there's Antonia, who is more introspective, quieter, just more thoughtful. And the two of them grow up together. They play off of each other their whole lives. And we get to see them become parents and fall in love and sort of figure out who they want to be. And all of this happens in the context of the mafia. So their fathers are mafia members. They grow up in a mafia family. They go to these Sunday dinners every week with the whole mob and their whole families, which are really intertwined, sort of what is family with a capital F, the mafia, and what's family in terms of sort of their parents and their siblings and the people they grow up with. So uh, what was it? What is it about the various quote unquote organizations in New York that really piqued your interest? Can you tell me about your research process? Because your book made me curious about any nonfiction material or inspiration that might be out there, but I was almost afraid to, to Google Italian mafia or Jewish mafia. <laughs> Absolutely. There were definitely a couple of moments when I was researching where I was like, well, we'll just hope no one's looking at my search history. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my research came from all over. I, you said nonfiction just now, and I absolutely had nonfiction sources. I credit fictional sources um, for a large part of my research about New York, um, my research about sort of the food and culture that I was writing about, my research about the mafia. But then I also was able to do things like go on Facebook and look in groups where Sicilian Americans talk about how their specific grandmothers made a specific dish. You know, you can look now on the internet at blocks in Brooklyn in 1938 and then again in 1940. And so I was able to really immerse myself in the culture and the world that I was trying to write about. And that includes reading fiction about it and just immersing myself in that way. As you mentioned, we are introduced to these families through two little girls, Sophia and Antonia. And shortly after we meet their parents, we learn how they are all related, which they are not related other than the family with a capital F. I'm wondering about the writing as an omniscient narrator across the decades, because, you know, we see the world through a five-year-old's lens and then through a nine-year-old and then a 14-year-old and, and then continuing on through adulthood. Was that challenging to imagine them at various stages in life, or am I just 
projecting myself. <laughs> yes, of course. That It was a really big project to be in so many characters' heads across so much time. But it was also immediately the angle that I got into the world from. So the narrator was always omniscient. The book always spanned this huge amount of time. And absolutely, I didn't always do it well at first. So I learned a lot through this process about how to characterize someone so that you both get to see into their head in a way that you really can't see in any other art form. So this is what fiction can do, right? Is to give you these teeny tiny little emotional fluctuations that, you know, film approximates in, in different ways, but in fiction, you get to see it in words. And so I thought, this is special. This is what fiction can do. So I'm going to show you like exactly how it feels to look out of these people's eyes at every moment of their lives. And so all I can hope now is that that's digestible and that you can see the world around them at the same time and that I've balanced those things so it feels cohesive. I want to follow up and ask a question about process because the novel is divided into five books, specific time periods for each book, but over the course, they span 20 years from 1928 to 1948. And within the five books, we understand what is happening from the omniscient narrator jumping from character to character. But when you put pen to paper or fingers to keys, do you write in a linear fashion and, and follow the timeline as you write? Or do you flesh out one character and then plug them into the appropriate timeline? I mean, how does this all come together for you? Definitely more the first thing that you said. So I definitely write more linearly. I'll get to a scene and I'll sort of, I'll consider it from every perspective kind of, and I usually consider it from way too many perspectives and then have to sort of focus in on exactly what's changing um, and what's what's rich and, and interesting about the moment that I'm writing about. But a more true answer is that I have edited this book for so long, almost three years, and I have rewritten it so many times that at this point, there really, there is no linear writing. It's, it's all these little pieces that I've considered a thousand times each and sort of placed in next to each other and tried to create this sort of a, a cohesive thing that you can look at, but it's, it's made of 500,000 little pieces at this point. I wouldn't say that I started at the beginning and got to the end. And in fact, the ending was one of the first scenes that I wrote. You know, the family, it looks at these at these families that are part of the mafia. You know, we, we are introduced to the two little girls. We are introduced to the close friendship of their mothers. We, we see this family with a capital F a lot of times through the female lens. And Sophia, one of the little girls, eventually takes on a role within the family, capital F, that was unheard of since she was a woman and a wife and a mother. So in your research, did you discover instances where women had involvement similar to hers? So one thing that I, I cannot substantiate at this point because I read it so long ago was an interview with Mario Puso, who is the author of The Godfather, the book version. And he, at some point, acknowledged that the Don in The Godfather is based on the character of his mother. And I, I read this after I had been working on the book for several years, but it felt like such Oh, it was so satisfying for me to learn that because as I, st I started getting into the world of these girls and these characters, and I just thought like, these women are so fierce and so strong and so interesting, and they know so much and they watch their husbands do these things. And in popular culture representations of the mafia, 
you know, you have Carmela Soprano who doesn't really take any crap, but often you have women who just sort of go along with their sort of what their blinders on or you don't hear from their perspective at all. And that just felt impossible for me not to consider and not to, I just felt like I don't believe that. There's no way that these women don't have a bigger hand in what's going on. I read in a Q&A that you did for Putnam, what you said about the blurry center of black and white dichotomies, good and evil, old world and new world, love and violence, that the blurry center was your favorite place to explore. Can you talk to me about that? Absolutely. So it's true. I love the middle and I, I really, really want you to love these characters, even and especially as you see how violent they are and how dangerous they are and how they might have made choices that you think you wouldn't have made. But I think that that's, that's one of the things that makes fiction the most powerful is when you can love and empathize with and even identify with a character that you would have thought you would have nothing in common with. So if I can read this and feel like I have something a little bit in common with Joey Colicchio, the mob boss, um, who when he goes to work at night, he sometimes punches people so hard that their cheeks split open. If I can think I have something in common with him and I can empathize with him, that is so much more interesting than if he's just a good guy or a bad guy. So I definitely, that, that's one of the things I hope the most that readers take from this is that there just is really no, there's nothing interesting about, about somebody who's just good or somebody who's just evil. You, you are an author. You are also a bookseller and an editor. Do you think that seeing the publishing industry from these three perspectives influenced your writing in the family? Yeah, so I, I didn't work in the publishing industry for very long. I worked as a freelance editor, mostly in an academic context, but I think that learning to communicate with people about their writing absolutely helped me learn how to take criticism of my own writing and how to, how to take it in a constructive way and how to see everything I was taking in as, as a useful tool that I could use to make the story better. Working as a bookseller has totally changed my understanding and my fluency in contemporary fiction. I didn't really read contemporary fiction before I started working at the bookstore because books are $30 each and I was a <laughs> freelancer and I was trying to write a novel and I just read what I could find at the used store for $5 and I read old books that we've all been talking about for a hundred years. And it's been just really, really cool and interesting to get to read books as they're coming out and to get to situate my own book in the world that it's entering, which is it is the world of, you know, Toni Morrison and Virginia Woolf, but it's also the world of authors who are writing today. And that's been so, so valuable for me. I read that you engaged with a lot of myths and legends to construct the world in this book, specifically New York City. And your book was dedicated in part to New York City. And I saw that one reviewer described the city as a character in itself, changing before our eyes through Prohibition and the stock market crash and World War II. Can you talk to me about your relationship with the city? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I love that you called it a relationship because I think <laughs> with New York, more than maybe almost anywhere else that I have ever been, it is a relationship. New York demands that you consider it as a character in a relationship with you and on its own. I lived there for almost 10 years. Some days the city is your best friend. It lifts you up. It grants you these little moments of grace. And some days it feels like a relationship that is just not working. 
But in any case, it's a relationship. And I came of age in many ways in New York City. I learned to be an adult there. And in the book, the characters sort of come of age along with 20th century Brooklyn. They grow together. I don't know if you can write good fiction about New York City without understanding that it's a person in the mix. It affects the moods of these characters. It feels like a living place. And I, I don't know how to say that in a way that feels sort of not cheesy to somebody who doesn't already believe it. But I think that people who do already believe that will feel grateful that they heard it. <laughs> this is your debut novel, and it's the November read with Jenna Book Club pick. How are you feeling right now about having this, this brand new thing out there in the world and having it recognized so early? You know, it's been a very wild week. Yeah, a lot has changed for me this week. I have been keeping a lot of secrets about how much incredible publicity this book is getting for a long time. And so in large part, it's just, it's so much of a relief to have it out there. And, and I think, you know, more than I would have expected, the book feels like its own person now. While I was writing it, it felt like it was a part of me. It felt like an arm. And the idea of this many people reading it would have filled me with just like a cold sort of dread. But I've been working on it for so long and it's been, it's been separate from me for almost a year now while it's been in production. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful that it's reaching this many people and I am really enjoying watching it go out there and seeing what happens to it and just being able to be almost like an observer in the process uh, and then having these really surreal moments where I, I realize that I'm not an observer, like I made this thing and, and that's what everybody is talking about. So it's been incredible. It's been an amazing week. I want listeners to know that I told Naomi ahead of time that I would avoid all spoilers. We haven't really talked about plot a lot because I do not want to spoil it for the future reader. But is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked? Let's see. I'm looking at my little questions here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what I said in this interview and what I just said in the last one. That must be tough just to do them back to back to back. Well, I've never done this before and it's actually fun, but it is now at this point, this is my third one. And so now I'm like, I know I said something really good in the last one and I'll never be able to conjure it again. So I just have to let this one be like exactly what it is. But thank you for asking. Well, Naomi Kropitsky, the novel is The Family. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to be here. That was Naomi Kropitsky, author of the book, The Family, which was published by Putnam. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens, and our producer is Haley Krausen. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.